stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's senior strategist, Kevin Cook, to talk about one of the hottest areas right now in, in stocks, the semiconductors. We, we've talked about them in the past, but here we are again, uh, because it's been a while since we've actually dove in on what's happening with them. And I thought since there's so many new investors and people who don't really know what's going on with the semiconductors and what they even are, that we would do kind of a basic show on which ones should you buy? Like what, there's a lot of them. I'm always like surprised during earnings season, like, oh, that's in the semiconductors. Oh, they are too. I never know like what does one do versus the other? Why should I buy, you know, X over here and not Y over there? So I brought Kevin on board today because he knows far more about the semiconductors than I do. As I just said, I'm pretty clueless, but he is not. So Kevin, welcome. All right. Thanks for having me. And this is such a, a great time you decided to do this because uh, it, it an earthquake just happened in semiconductors in the past two weeks. Uh, and it's just, I'm, I'm, I can't think of enough uh, geological metaphors to describe it. Seismic shifts, tectonic plates moving as one stock blows up and another soars. And it's still happening uh, even uh, two weeks later. Okay, so what does that mean? Like, what was the big event? Why? So... Uh, Intel, the, the the U.S. giant and lead innovator in all things semiconductors for the last 60 years, um, they reported uh, about a little over 10 days ago, and um, the report was solid. But they had to they had a confession to make. They had been in, first of all, understand Intel does everything in-house, you know, so when you think of them as a lead innovator, it's, you know, they don't have anything made overseas. They make everything themselves. So what they said was, you know, that plan we told you about last year where we were going to um, have this advanced technology and go below 10 nanometers in, in the scale of transistors, we're about a year behind on that plan. <laughs> and so immediately... Intel stock dropped um, that Friday, so yeah. Friday a week ago. Intel dropped 16% that day, and its competitor, AMD, Advanced Micro Devices, rallied 16% because they are now the chosen ones, because they already do this, what's called 7 nanometer technology, and they have it built by Taiwan Semiconductor. So um, this means that this advanced technology where the transistors are getting smaller and the spaces between them are getting smaller. Um, this is what, you know, it, it's what makes your laptop even lighter or your notebook, um, you know, where you can cram, we can cram millions, billions, literally, of transistors uh, onto a chip or a board. And AMD is there. So they're going to get all this new business um, from and and I, I just looked at the AMD presentations for the past couple of weeks, and um, you think of all the notebook and laptop manufacturers out there, and and the data center builders, they're all using AMD stuff, and they're going to be using more of it. Okay, this is basically what's happening here. So that that's uh, Intel's pain is AMD's gain in the past couple of weeks, and AMD's up another eight percent today on a big upgrade. I think you saw. 
Yeah. So that was my next question. AMD is just like soaring now. Is it is it too late to get in that one? Is it? Um, you know what? I, <laughs> I, I when after AMD, I was looking at AMD a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, God, I'd really want to buy it or here around sixty, but there were still bearish analysts, and I didn't quite understand it. And well, things became crystal clear um, after this the Intel dropped this bomb. And it was like you still had a chance to get in last week um, near 70. And I thought, gee, you know, we should really take a shot here. <laughs> and now it's, um, you know, now it's above 85 because uh, Jeffries came out and raised their price target this morning from 86 to 95. Yeah. Because they said that AMD will, their share gain in, in these markets will continue to accelerate. And he's, in his bull case, the analyst thinks that, um, you know, AMD could go from capturing 30% share over Intel in the next two or three years. It, that could morph into potentially capturing 50% of market share in, in these markets, you know, everything from laptops to data centers. Okay. Where does Qualcomm fit in with those two guys you just mentioned? So them mentioned in the same breath with AMD and Intel. So Is Qualcomm... Qualcomm is more specialty uh, for for handsets and mobile, um, and they just had great news too because you know Huawei, that whole controversy with Huawei where they're they're getting pushed out, and you know American companies aren't, aren't allowed to deal with Huawei, and um, uh, Qualcomm just basically inked a deal to secure a lot of the coming five G business, um, and. So, you know, if, if there was any worries about, uh, you know, Huawei competition for Qualcomm, those were just um, put to bed. And so that's why Qualcomm also last week, the stock jumped um, from, you know, like 90 bucks up to 110 now. Okay. So if I'm interested in investing in the 5G future, Qualcomm would be one of the names for that. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And and maybe a Xilinx too. Okay. You know, there's a lot of, and and I I want to mention um, a player that's sort of uh, underneath here that doesn't get talked about a lot, and that's Taiwan Semiconductor. Yeah. They're, they're what's called a foundry, so they're the, you know, they're the fabrication for the chip designs. AMD got out of manufacturing their own chips. You know, whereas Intel didn't, AMD's like, we're not going to have a foundry anymore. We're going to ship it all to Taiwan Semiconductor. And Taiwan Semiconductor makes Apple's chips. You know, Apple makes their own chips now. And and they just, they send the designs there and Taiwan Semi is the fab for it. Um, Taiwan Semi also makes NVIDIA's chips. And so another thing I did, I've, I've done several pieces of content in the past two weeks on this, on these topics. And the first thing I did was I had to give a shout out to our colleague, Dan LeBeau, who has been pounding the table on Taiwan Semiconductor all year. Yeah. And even even through the Corona crisis, he's like, you know, these are the, this is the foundry that's winning all this business. You know, when you have Apple, AMD and NVIDIA as customers, you must be doing something right. <laughs> and now they're going to get Intel is going to have to give them their business, too. Um and so he was pounding the table on TSM at 50 bucks and, and it's just soared. Um, so okay. that, that's, sort of, that's sort of the uh, nuts and bolts 
you know, infrastructure play on all this stuff too. Okay. And now that you mentioned NVIDIA, where do they come in? They're on the graphics side, right? So if I'm video games, that kind of stuff is NVIDIA specialty? Yeah. So when you, and when you use the word graphics for, when you talk about NVIDIA, the, the, the sort of the, the evolution of this company is that, yes, they were building chips for gaming. And these chips were called GPUs, graphical processing units. But what they figured out along the way is that these GPU chips could also had other big applications like machine learning, okay. which is a which is a uh, you know uh, an intermediate form of artificial intelligence, and that these were the um, you could create what are called massively parallel architectures to do machine learning or, or run um, you know tons of data in data centers. So the but. AMD also makes their own GPU chips for gaming and for data centers. So AMD has become the competitor now, not just to Intel, but also to NVIDIA that, I mean, clearly the analysts were not on top of this. You know, if you if you look at, at what the, the, the analysts are you know piling over the top of each other in the past two weeks to upgrade AMD because they missed how excellent AMD was becoming. And the, the, the CEO there, Lisa Su, I mean, she's like the, she's like the Jensen Wong, you know, of Nvidia that you didn't know about, and yeah. uh, you know, she's been, she's been making some smart strategic moves. And they, when you, when you, um, I profile, I did a video. I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, it's probably on Yahoo. Um, I called it uh, Re "Release the Ryzen," which yeah. is, Ryzen is one of their chips uh, instead of "Release the Croc," and a little play on that. And I, and I went through a a couple of their investor and corporate presentations. One one had like 70 slides in it, another had 30 slides in it. And just looking at the technology innovation going on at AMD, it, it, it rivals what NVIDIA has been doing. So that's why you know, people are piling into AMD, even though uh, some say it's overvalued. Well, hello, so is NVIDIA. <laughs> so they're looking at- NVIDIA is at 55 times. So uh -huh. it's not cheap either. Um, what about Micron? That used to be the hot semiconductor stock for the prior couple of years, or at least for traders it was. But where does that fit in? Yeah, in it, 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 it always seems so attractive because of the valuation, right? It's trading, yeah. it's trading, you know, three times sales. And um, but because it's it's memory, you know, DRAM and NAND, it's considered this it's considered still such a commodity play tied to the semiconductor cycle. So they did sort of have a wipeout in earnings. You know, they reached uh, peak earnings and uh, by early 2019 of about $6 EPS. And then, and then that got slashed, you know, by 70% uh, coming into, you know, late 2019 and early 2020. And so, you know, they had, they had their cyclical, um, downturn, whereas the rest of semis didn't because they're so specialized. Now, here's where I got this one wrong because I thought that I thought that Micron would become immune to the semi cycle because they weren't just um, uh, memory for PCs. You know, they weren't just tied to the desktop. They were doing stuff in mobile and data centers yeah. and even autonomous driving. So I, I thought they could be sort of the value stock play. Um, 
you know, while while you pay 50 times for NVIDIA, yeah. um, maybe you could pay a little more for Micron. And, and that, that's still never the case. The stock just hangs out here at 50 bucks. But I own it. And uh, I, I just consider it as long as everything else is cranking along and we're, we're in the middle of the 5G or we're not even in the middle of the 5G rollout. We're sort of still in the early stages yeah. of the 5G rollout that that Micron will, you know, their, they, their cycle troughed and they will continue to uh, to see earnings and top line accelerate. Okay. I hear a lot of uh, people mention LAM research and applied materials as well. Are those in fabrication, are they competitors to Taiwan Semi? Is that where they fit in? Um, no, they're, they're actually building the equipment for Taiwan Semi. Oh, so they're, okay. Yeah, they're the you know they're the picks and shovels. So um, it's called you know uh, WFE wafer fabrication equipment, and so Taiwan Semi is a is a customer, um, as would be Samsung because Samsung is still sort of a uh, a player here, um, competing with Intel and also doing their own fab. Um, so you know because they make all their own chips, and you know they don't Korea doesn't want to outsource their chip manufacturer to Taiwan. So, uh, yeah, that's that's why LAM Research and and AMAT are, you know, pushing their all time highs. I think yeah. I think LAM, LAM Research just reported and off to another new high because the equipment orders are there and, the you know, the build out for 5G just keeps rolling here. Yeah. OK, so these are all kind of interconnected. Yes. Yeah, they're all, I mean, it's, you know, it's like a jungle or an ecosystem, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And and you kind of have to know what you're buying. And, well, I was a big bull on, like, LAM research, you know, for for a few years. And then I basically, like a lot of investors, got tricked out of everything during the corona crash. Because right. you thought, okay, here comes, you know, we, we've, we've never had... Uh, an economic collapse like this where, okay, everybody stays home. We're shutting down all these businesses and, you know, 30% hit the GDP. Um, I mean, we just, you just saw that technology didn't care because the, right. the five, the 5g rollout and software were just immune to any of that. Um, and it, it really shows the strength of a global economy. You know, people don't like the word globalism and, and they want things made at home, but, um, there is strength in having a global system, uh, you know, that can move production around the globe and serve different demand markets that may not be as hard hit by something like a pandemic. Right. Um, where does Broadcom fit in in this system? What do they? So do? Broadcom is kind of, uh, God, I mean, they're like. They're like a, a big blue chip. They're, I, if I had to compare them to another industry, they're sort of the Johnson and Johnson okay. of, of semis because they're so big and so diverse. So they have, let's say, they have fifteen dollars of content to the latest iPhone, and that's just a rough estimate. You know, it's it's been it's been less. It could be more uh, because they make these special um, uh, these special chips that mobile phones need to you know communicate with to find the nearest tower. And to communicate okay. communicate clearly, and the signal is strong. It, um, these different booster chips. So, you know, um, I, I want to call it a Vago because it used to be a Vago, uh, but they bought Broadcom and they kept the symbol AVGO. So, uh, so not only are they there in 
in mobile handsets, but um, they're building infrastructure for data centers too. So they're they're not building the picks and shovels like Lam Research, but they're helping with all the equipment you would need to build a data center. Okay. What about Texas Instruments? They they always kind of get the shaft every earnings season. I tell people, I was like, ah, Texas Instruments after the bell, and it's just not as uh, crazy of a stock or that kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's because their uh, their sales and profit uh, trajectory is so steady. You know, yeah. they 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 have the they have these steady sources of demand and business. That just kind of keep them, a, um, you know, sort of a steady grower. They're they're like another blue chip, in in semis, um, and obviously, I don't know the particulars of their foundry, and who they use or if they do everything in house. Um, so I'm I'm not, you know, I want to make sure I'm not a complete expert here on semis because I I can't keep track of all these companies. Yeah. Um, but, you know, longer term. It, it looks like uh, Texas has been, Texan as, as, as they call it, has been one to own, you know, just for, for sort of a blue chip, low volatility play. Okay. All right. So back to kind of the original question. <laughs> if I was a new investor in the semiconductor stocks, what, which one should I buy out of all these? We just, yeah, it's uh it's tough right here because um, you know I can't recommend Nvidia way up here for, okay. for, for new buyers. Um, I I bought it. That's the one thing I did right with semis was that I bought Nvidia during the Corona crash. Okay. Um, so yeah. we're up over a hundred percent there. Wow. And I told my people that I wanted to add to Nvidia. Uh, on any sort of pullback, <laughs> you know, at around <laughs> around 380 in Nvidia, and it's just it, it once it got above 400, it chopped around 400, 420 for a couple weeks, and now it's it's up to 440. So there was like you didn't even get a chance, okay. you know, to add on a dip there. AMD, um, yeah, I might consider AMD. Let's okay. see where it's actually trading this morning. Um, um 84. Okay, so. So I think the way you play AMD now is, I mean, you have to be a buyer, you know, inside of 7580. Okay. Um, just because their innovation cycle is, you know, has just taken off yeah. um, in the past year. And, um, and they are going to capture more share from Intel in uh, notebooks. And laptops and PCs, um, and and who knows? They might even uh, steal a little business from Nvidia once um, you know more manufacturers understand the quality of the of the designs. You know, they have a whole they have their own whole ecosystem of of chips and speeds and sizes. Uh, speaking of sizes, if uh, you know a nanometer is one billionth of a meter, and so. When we're talking about this, you know, how did uh, how did Intel bomb? Well, because they said they were going to build seven nanometer technology, and they're not there yet. And everybody else is going to seven nanometer and having Taiwan Semiconductor build it for them. Yeah. Uh, for reference of what a nanometer is, uh, think the coronavirus is bigger than fifty nanometers, and so we're talking about building transistors 
on a scale that is, you know, less than one fifth the size of the coronavirus. Wow. You know, that, that microscopic scale. Uh, but seven nanometer is is now is going to become the standard because both AMD and Nvidia are working on five nanometer technology. Okay. They're, they're you know they're getting they're getting even smaller. They're, you know Moore's law was the idea that um, Gordon Moore from Intel in 1965 said based on what was happening with semiconductors that they could um, you know become they could double in efficiency and shrink by half every two years. Yeah. And basically that was true for a, for a long time, but but then it started to, that curves, that growth trajectory started to flatten out and we weren't getting as much, uh, you know, shrinkage of the the transistors, uh, but now it's it's back on. And, and yeah. NVIDIA says that what they do with parallel processing chips is even accelerating Moore's law. And that they're just gonna be able to keep getting smaller with the size they can manufacture these these transistors at. Okay. Now this whole area is, you know, super interesting and exciting, obviously, if you want to be on, you know, where technology is going, obviously. Um, so what about buying one of the ETFs here and just getting like a whole big group of them? Yeah, I mean, that's been the play. I think, uh, you know, our, ET our ETF investor here, Nina Mishra, um, I think she grabbed the 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 SOXX, yeah, which is the uh, iShares Philadelphia Semiconductor Index right. uh, ETF. So the um, that's the biggest one. Yeah. So the 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 SOX index you can't invest in because that's just a uh, an index uh, put together by a Philadelphia exchange. But SOXX is the ETF on it, and yeah, hitting all time highs <laughs> here it is AMD soars. Uh, it's up to 298 bucks. Yeah, and I looked. I looked up the holdings on that, and Qualcomm is its biggest holding at 8.8%, okay. and then Broadcom is at 8%. Nvidia 7.9, and then Texas Instruments also 7.9. So basically, you're getting 8% of those big four, mm -hmm. uh, you know, big guys. Yeah, and obviously the 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 lesson here for investors, you know, when you when you get a big correction like we had. You know, sometimes ETFs, if you can't pick a stock, like I don't know who's going to survive here, sometimes buying the ETF, you could have picked up the Sox ETF for under 200 bucks and yeah. um, and made 50% on your money uh, right. just this spring and summer. And another good thing about just keeping track of something like this is exactly what you did, Tracy, where you went and looked up the holdings. Yeah. So you're you're looking at, OK, who are the big players I need to pay attention to? And do I want to learn about these individual businesses or companies right. um, or just buy the basket? And, yeah. you know, and it's like here's the thing. If you're investing for your kids um, and your and your time horizon is 10 years. Well, yeah. yeah. Buy technology, buy technology ETFs. You could buy XLK and own, you know, a piece of all technology. Right. Um, or you could specialize in semiconductors uh, with this ETF. Yeah. Now I did look at a couple other ETFs. The second largest one is the VanEck uh, Vector Semiconductor ETF. That one is- uh, that's, uh, Is that SMH? Yeah, that's SMH. Mm -hmm. And Taiwan Semiconductor is the biggest holding in that one. And it's 11%. And then Intel's at nine. You have NVIDIA again at 8.4. 
and um, then a few of the others we mentioned, like Broadcom is in there. But if you want Taiwan Semiconductor, big exposure to that one. SMH yeah. sounds like it's the one for you. Um, yeah. And then so looked up the some of the niche ones. I looked up the Defiance Next Gen Connectivity ETF, and it's FIVG, <laughs> 5G. Okay. <laughs> um, it only has 351 million in assets, but that's not so bad for one of these small niche uh, ETFs. And those you're going to get a little bit different of the mix. Obviously, Qualcomm, which we mentioned as being one of the 5G players, is the biggest holding in that one at 5.3%. And then you have NXP Semi at 5.2, Analog Devices is at 5%, Ericsson is at 4.5, and then your Xilinx that you mentioned is in there at 3.7. So okay, that's, uh, and what that's FIVG. Uh huh. Yeah. So this is relatively new. I haven't. Yeah. I never. I I might have glanced at the holdings last year, but didn't really pay attention. Yeah. Um. So this one's pretty exciting too. Yeah. And you know, I I would say. For somebody just getting into semiconductors and learning about it, this might be, you know, this might be a good way to get some exposure. And then, it, and it also forces you to pay attention. Then you then you start learning about these companies. Well, why is this a, called a five G company versus you know another one that's not in here? Right. Um, can I mention another one? And I'll I'll preface this by saying I just bought this company yesterday for one of my portfolios here. And I think it's an interesting play um, because they don't actually make chips. What they do is they make all sorts of testing equipment and software that the chip manufacturers need to, to figure out, does this work You know the way we said it's going to work? <laughs> and that company is called Keysight. And it was uh, actually a, a spinoff from Agilent about five years ago. Oh. And, um, and I just... I wrote up something last night for my followers after we bought the stock. I was just looking at their news releases in just the past three months. Um, they put out about eh, about 30 press releases, and half of them are about about 5G solutions okay. uh, because because of what they're doing with their um, their testing and design equipment. So they they also help design. Uh, what these technologies need to do, and it and it's uh, it gets in, you know, it's everything from um, think of the antennas that are needed uh, for you know wireless communication at these what you know what's going to be you know hundred times greater speeds than four G in some cases. Um, another cool thing it is they just uh, uh, let's see was it yesterday? No, no, it was on the on the thirtieth they. Uh, partnered with uh, a bunch of European autonomous driving companies. So IPG Automotive and Nordis, uh, they collaborated with them because they're sort of the behind the scenes infrastructure for ADAS, which is um, Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. You know, So even if we're not talking about, oh, your car can drive itself, there are going to be, we're slowly going to be building in these ADAS systems that um, enhance or aid the driver with advanced technologies. Okay. I've heard of Keysight before because they've come up in my value screen over yeah. the last couple of months. And I've had them on the Value Investor podcast because I always jump on anything that's tech related on the value side because <laughs> you don't find much. 
Um, so they are trading at like 23 times right now, but a couple months ago they were not that expensive. So they were a little bit more on the on the value side, even on a PE level. But you know, yeah, compared yeah. to these others, 23 is pretty cheap. Yeah, and the uh, the top line isn't growing gangbusters. You know, this is a this is a company that's going to yeah. grow you know five percent a year on the yeah. top line. Um, and and the other thing is, I tend to look at most technology in terms my valuation metric is price to sales. You know how you know what's the enterprise value versus their revenues. Um, so you get, you know, in software, everybody's paying over 20 times sales for okay. some of these companies. Yeah. Uh, but you're starting to see in semiconductors, things are getting back up over 10 times sales. Yeah. And Keysight is only four times sales. So that's huh? why I like it. It's sort of a, you know, it's, it's sort of the micron uh, value play. Yeah. Of the space, of the 5G space. Yeah. Okay, so we've covered a lot in this episode, and I do have a clearer picture of who does what and how the industry is kind of structured. So this was helpful to me. I hope it's helping some other people who, you know, might be new to the semiconductors as well. Uh, let's. I'm going to recap all the tickers because we didn't really mention much of the tickers when we were just kind of spouting forth the names. So it's going to be somewhat of a long list. So get ready, everybody who's listening. So we talked about Intel, INTC, then AMD, which is just AMD, then Qualcomm, which is QCOM. We mentioned Xilinx, XLNX. Taiwan Semiconductor is TSM. NVIDIA, N-V-D-A, as an N is in Nancy, V-D-A. Micron is M-U. LAM Research is L-R-C-X. Applied Materials, A-M-A-T. Broadcom does have the weird ticker, which was the old Devago ticker, A-V-G-O. Texas Instruments, T-X-N. Then a few of the ETFs, we had the SOX, Semiconductors, which is S-O-X-X, two X's at the end there. Then we had the Vanek Semiconductor, S-M-H. We had the 5G little niche ETF, which is F-I-V as in Victor G. And then we had Keysight Technologies, K-E-Y-S. So somewhere in there, you're gonna find some plays or at least buying those ETFs, but this is definitely an interesting area and we'll be covering it some more going into the future, of course. And I used to do those episodes like, is there any value? Are they value or value traps on the semiconductors? But most aren't value anymore. We can't, I can't do it. I, I'm like stuck not doing it, but I'll try to cover as much as I can on all of my shows, the Market Edge and the Value Investor Podcast. So don't miss a single episode. Be sure to subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Make sure you get us on Spotify, but get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified 
identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.